All right. Well, thanks be to God for the beauty and the power of his word. That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I love? We, I, we were, we were uh, talking a couple of months ago in one of our elder meetings and, you know, we, we didn't plan, we, we don't plan like to the nth degree. Like we, you know, we want to come in, we have a, we have our annual plan and we know how we're going to move throughout scripture and what, you know, the things that we're, we're going to do, you know, we have series here sometimes, sometimes we're going systematically through the word of God. Sometimes we're in our come and listen series, which is our complete overarching move through the old Testament and the new Testament. And I love that we're in the book of the Bible. Like this is why you systematically go through the Bible because in your heart, you, you, you meander around things that feel a little bit uncomfortable. In your heart, you'll, you'll move towards the things that self-gratify and are easy to preach and are easy to teach. Um, but if you systematically go through scripture, God in his grace and mercy, he lifts the, the burden off of you and basically says, hey, do your job. You are not the author, you are the mailman. And today I'm the mailman. Um, so I, I love this, I, you know, when, in just reading this, this passage in scripture and the, how God is sovereign and leading us in this place, Mike Berry said, I can't believe we're getting ready to go through Romans 13 and 14 leading up into an election year, you know, and talking about human government. I mean, God knows how to, to dig right in, right where it's uncomfortable, even reading the words. Like, I, I think I, I could feel a little bit of it in the room. You know what I mean? Like, what does this mean? Does that mean this? Should I be doing this? Or who should I, what? I mean, I think that was all in there. Like we feel that in the church and we feel the, the, the division across the country. And you hear something like this and all of a sudden those things, you know, they, they come boiling to the surface. Why in the world is the apostle Paul talking about human government? You know, it's interesting what we forget about human government in the day in, day out. The other night I was, I was dead asleep. It was about 2.30 in the morning and I sleep hard. And all of a sudden I, I, I woke up out of my sleep and I could hear somebody banging on the door downstairs, like hard at 2.30 in the morning. And so I go down there, you know, put on some pants, go down there. And I think I'm, I may or may not have had a shirt on, um, which my wife's terrified to even hear me say that. Uh, but I open the door and there's a police officer standing there. And what do you think? I mean, as a parent, you're like, where are my kids uh, immediately? Or where's Mike Barry? What did he do? Um, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Like, I say his name because he's like the last person you're going to have to go bail out of jail. Um, but... And, and the, this nice young police officer says, hey, I just, you know, I wanna, I wanna let you know, first of all, everything's okay. Um, we, you know, we you know, found your number because you're the pastor at Ocean City Church. Somebody has, you know, smashed one of your, your west foyer door, all the glass through and broken into your church. Um, everything is okay. It doesn't look like they've taken anything. That is all the good news. The bad news is, is you're gonna have to go secure your building. And I'm like, is Home Depot open? I don't know. Um, and I said, I'm just kidding. And, uh, but it, the more and more I thought about it, and there's a guy up here like waiting until I get here, another police officer. And when I got up, when I, I, I came home after securing the building and, uh, got, you know, a little bit of sleep. And then I woke up and I, the, it was just thinking about that whole process and thinking about how the things in government that I don't think about on the day in, day out basis until you, until you need them. And, and also just thinking about how nice they could, could, there's a lot of things police officers could be doing other than standing at my front door, knocking on my door because I didn't answer my phone like an idiot, um, you know, and having another police officer posted here, looking all the information up, calling me, making sure the building was secure. I mean, uh, they've got a lot of things on their plate. And in this season and in this portion of life, I'm just thinking, man, 
government's not all that bad, right? You know, we, I think we think so many bad things about government. There's so many things in the day in, day out. We've got roads, we've got traffic lights. Um, you have, you know, we live in hurricane world. So FEMA is very important to us. If one ever does make direct landfall here in Jacksonville, I mean, we know how important governmental agencies are and that they're in place for our good. The fire department, I mean, Dave Sarmack right here in the front row, saving lives uh, every other day. I mean, he's like, he, listening to his stories, the things that seem normal to Dave, I'm like, I'm like, what'd you do today? And he just starts talking about like, we, you know, sawzawed somebody's roof off their car, drug them out. We saved their life. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I read Romans. It was cool. Um, <laughs> but there's so many things that are happening that are instituted in, in, in our lives by government that are for our good. Now, in the same breath, I could go down all the lists of things and where the government is corrupt, where there's problems, where there's brokenness, where there is things that are not going wrong. Even with students in schools, I could say, hey, you've got great teachers, you've got terrible teachers, like in the public school system, you've got good curriculum and good things that you're studying. You've got bad curriculum and things that are leading you in the wrong way. I could go on and on and on and on. But here's, here's the news that will always be the case. The problem that exists for you and for me and the thing that we're, I think, trying to reconcile in this season of life is that in every, in every generation, for, from generation to generation, the people that are in government and the positions that are held in government will always be sinful and broken people. They will be human. Because like the apostle Paul said earlier in Romans, you know, nobody's righteous. No, not one. Our tendency is to walk towards death, to choose things for ourselves. We are self-serving, self-satisfying. We are fleshful. We will do things to serve our best and, and our, our self-interest. And hence why we need a savior. So the apostle Paul drops this bomb in here about our response and our posture towards human government. And, you know, I, I, I want to say this, like if you're immediately, if you were reading that passage in scripture and we're leaning in today and you're thinking, man, my friend needs to hear this. This is for you. <laughs> this right here is for you. And, and, and I just want to go through this. I, I actually love this passage. Somebody <laughs> texted me a couple of weeks ago, said, man, who's preaching this, man, this seems like a nightmare. Um, but I, I, I like this because one, it's interesting. Like, because you really have to dig into the context of how and why the Apostle Paul is writing this to the church in Rome, to the, to the, to the Jews in Rome, to the Roman officials that had become Christians in the church, all these people that are in here, the Apostle Paul's leading them. But remember that the engine, the, the, the first 11 chapters, this is not, hey, this is, how you, this is what you're supposed to do to please God. Like we know that our salvation and how we gain approval from God has nothing to do with our righteousness, our obedience to government, our obedience to rules and laws. The apostle Paul is saying, this is what's possible in your posture that will be absolutely a transformation and renewing of the mind like we talked about in Romans chapter 12. This is different than every other human being would react. We like government when we, it serves our interests and we hate government when it's not serving our interests. And we lean in and we have all the things that we cherry pick and the things that we like from one candidate and the things that we cherry pick and we like from another candidate. And we throw those and we, we lean towards the ones in our flesh that serve our self-interest. And the apostle Paul says what's possible for the church, what's possible for Christians is that those wouldn't be the things that would dictate and navigate and be the filter for our lives. He's saying, you've now got a Jesus filter. You're no longer mired and rooted in the world that your eyes, like it says in Colossians, have been lifted. Because since you've been raised with Christ, what does he say? things above, not the things on the earth. 
But we live here and we have to respond and have a posture, uh, a posture towards human government. So I want to answer just three questions um, as we go through this. One, how do we respond to governmental authorities? Like get into the context of what we're talking about. Okay. And the obvious one that everybody's thinking about, when and how do we defy governmental authority? Like what, what is the right time? Is there a time when we should oppose our government? Is there a time when we should lean in a different direction away from our government? When they're telling us to do one thing, we do another. And then what is Paul's purpose in writing this passage overall? Like what's the overarching purpose in this passage? All right, so let's, let's dig in. If you got your Bible, Romans chapter 13, starting right there in verse one, where we began, let everyone, I just want to say that again, let everyone, he puts everybody in this bucket, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which is God has, which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now this is a, this is a theme that's not just set in place by the apostle Paul, but Jesus operated with this in mind. Jesus was subject to the authorities, but not because he thought these guys are the ones that are going to lead me to life or these are, these are the ones that know best. No, he was under his father's authority and he knew that his father had placed the authorities, whether they were going to operate sinfully or whether they were going to operate nobly. He knew that God had placed them in those positions for a larger overarching plan. So the apostle Paul is saying, look, be subject to the governing authorities because God is the one that has put them in place. Consequently, he says, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Pretty strong language, isn't it? And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, one of the things that the apostle Paul's doing practically is just saying things are not gonna go well for you if you are constantly breaking laws. Like that's just not like he even goes into paying taxes like we heard, you know, if we owe owing somebody money, you know, speed limit is what I think about. Like, I mean, you, if you speed all the time, you are probably going to get a ticket. It's not going to go well for you. There will be consequences in place for that. Now, the question that's rising up, I think in the middle of this, and certainly it was as I was studying this passage is what about like when government is so corrupt, like when you have somebody in power or some people in power or a government that's in power that is completely and totally corrupt, should I obey that? Should I be under the governing laws and authorities of like, you know, should I put hashtag not my president on my car? Should you know, what, how should I operate in, in that type of climate? Because what the apostle Paul is saying is starting to stir something up in my heart when I think about, you know, what's happening right now in the world, what might happen, you know, after November or after, a, you know, a new government's installed or the same government still in place. How am I supposed to react? What's my posture? You know, th th this is, you know, I, if, if I have, if my view of who's in power is they are corrupt, they are doing harm, they are doing bad things, then should I honor and respect them? Should I, what, what, what is this? Where does that lean? Now, here's the problem for you if that's what you're thinking. Because right now in the context of this passage, the leaders that were in power was the Roman empire. And if you've studied history, we're talking about leaders like Caligula, you know, all the way up to, I think, uh, at AD 37. I mean, you, you talk about unfit for leadership. I mean, anybody know anything about Caligula? I mean, this guy killed his mother and his brother. 
and, her bro- and his brother because he was worried about them challenging him, his, his power and authority. I mean, he, in multiple incestuous relationships. I mean, the dude was absolutely all, he installed his own horse as a senator. I mean, he's crazy. He waged war. He was mad because he couldn't control the weather. He took the Roman army and he had him swinging, just waging war against the weather. He was unfit for leadership. Now think about the context of what the apostle Paul's saying and what he's doing. It's gotta, it's gotta lead to, why is he saying this? I mean, we can move on to Nero where it's probably more contemporary to where the apostle Paul wrote this passage. <laughs> Nero, I mean, you talk about, I mean, Tim Keller says this about the leaders that were in power at the time. Like we haven't even, he says, we haven't even scratched the surface. In the West, we are just beginning to experience the hostility that believers faced during the time Paul wrote these letters. Like we're not even in the ballpark. I mean, Nero lit the roads to Rome with burning Christians. He lit up his own garden 30 feet apart with his nightlights, which were Christians on fire. I mean, this was not a good government. This was not a godly government. There weren't weren't Christian government leaders that were leading at this time in authority. So why is the apostle Paul saying what he's saying? Well, the simple answer would be right here in three, but there's some depth to this as we look at it in context. He says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, for those who do, um, but for those who do wrong. Now, this is, a, this is what, he, the apostle, what the apostle Paul's talking about in general, the, the general rule of law. So in the general rule of law, if you do the right thing, things are gonna go a little bit better for you. You're not gonna be distracted in this mission of carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. But... You, and you want to be, if you, do you want to be free from the one who is an authority? Then do what is right and you will be condemned. He's saying, first of all, wisdom, things will go better for you. Now think about the apostle Paul. Did the apostle Paul, you know, was he always the guy that, that wasn't found in jail? I would say no. The apostle Paul got beat a lot. The apostle Paul ended up in jail a lot. What the apostle Paul is saying is don't be in jail for the wrong reasons. Don't waste your breath and don't waste your jail time on things that don't matter most. And for the apostle Paul, what was it? Christ crucified. I am going to lead people to salvation. We don't wanna be distracted. We wanna be wise as serpents, innocent as doves or innocent as doves, wise as serpents. So wisdom is one reason. And you go on to verse four, he says, for one authority, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. So despite whether or not he's good or not, God has put him in place for your, gut, for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. The idea here is you are right where you are under the authority that you are under because God is sovereign, because God is the ultimate authority. You are submitting to a governmental authority, not because of the honor that's due to them and the respect that's due to them, you're doing it as unto the Lord. It's the same way we see in Colossians and Ephesians talking about husbands and wives and children and parents and employers, right? Or employees to employers, like work heartily as unto the Lord. He's saying, you're doing these things. You're being, you're, you're putting yourself under the authority of your government for God. It's my way of trusting and believing and knowing that God has my best interests. Hey, obviously fallen and broken and feeble-minded people like we are that find our way by some miracle into government, 
We know that there's going to be corruption. We are all sinful, every single one of us. None of us is righteous, no, not one. But God in his, in his sovereignty and in his viewpoint and in his perspective, his, his overarching redemptive plan, he uses people that we would consider good and he uses people that were considered evil. God is not thrown off, off guard by somebody that's bad going, oh no, they just ruined my plan. No, he is in authority. He is in ultimate authority. So the apostle Paul says, one, it's wise to keep your head low in, in many situations. And again, remember the apostle Paul was in jail, but for the right reasons. He was beaten, but for the right reasons. So verse five, it says, therefore it is necessary to submit yourself to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Do the right thing. God is their, God is their authority and God is our authority. I mean, we see this, you know, briefly as you look at the life of Jesus. I mean, we see this, this, this theme is not just one that's isolated in Romans chapter 13 and 14. We see it across the landscape as we see it in the Old Testament in the way that God asked his people, even when they were in exile to operate. We see it with Jesus, when Jesus is pinned down by uh, the Herodians and the, and the Pharisees and says, hey, who, should we pay taxes even to this oppressive government? And they thought they trapped him. And you know, Jesus says, you know, given to Caesar, what's Caesar's? Given to God, what's God's? Even Jesus knew that he was not, this was not his kingdom. This was not where he operated. If we're wondering why, the apostle, and many commentators say the apostle Paul wrote this knowing that somebody would read this on Caesar's behalf. Like either Caesar would read it himself or somebody would read it on his behalf and tell, tell him what it said. Letting Caesar know we've not come here to defy your government. We've not come here to overthrow and rebel against your government. Jesus made that plainly clear. I'm not of this world. It's why he said to, to Peter, Put your sword away after he chops off the official's ear. Put your sword away. This is not my kingdom. You're fighting and waging war for a kingdom that, 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 that there's a bigger picture that's going on. And it took a while for the disciples to get in Acts chapter one. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven and they're still worried about, they're like, when are you gonna be the one to remove Herod and you're gonna be the governing authority here in Jerusalem? And Jesus is like, you guys don't get it. This is not my kingdom. You're thinking small. You're thinking myopic. You're thinking for yourselves. You're thinking about now and you're not thinking about future redemption. You're not thinking about what I've called you to do. And then what does he say? He says, go here and wait. You're gonna find out what's going on. Go here and wait. And the spirit of God will come and you'll see what you do. And they had one singular purpose, one singular focus. And it was to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And they were not gonna be distracted by anything. They were not gonna be stopped by anything. It was an unstoppable force of the power of the Holy Spirit through feeble and fallen clay, reaching the ends of the earth. It was miraculous. It was so powerful to see it in action. So we, we wanna be innocent as doves, wise as serpents. And we wanna trust God for who he is and what he can possibly do in our lives. If you wonder, you know, to put this in context, you gotta go back to Romans chapter 12. We were in 12 last week, but we didn't cover this particular passage. But back in 17, he says, listen, the way that we operate here with a heaven mindset, not with an earthly mindset is do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Meaning we're not here to rock the boat for the wrong reasons. If, listen to this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, 
live at peace with everyone. I love the superlatives in this because everybody's included in this. Live at peace with everyone, if at all possible. Live at peace with everyone. Now I know people are gonna take liberties with if at all possible, well, it's impossible with them. (laughs) But you get it. You know what your flesh is saying to you and you know what God's saying to you. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, for your enemy, because there's a lot of hate during, during the election year this year, There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of Facebook posts. There's a lot of fire. There's a lot of anger in the midst of even the Christian community going back and forth. People that are divided and can't understand why somebody would vote this way or vote this way or what what they're thinking in their mind. What does it say? God is in control. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. I'm gonna give him a Facebook post. In doing this, you will heap coals on his head. In other words, shut him down or shut her down, right? Kill him with kindness. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then it launches into Romans chapter 13 and says, hey, guess what? Let's talk about evil. Let's look at government, (laughs) right? I mean, I love that context because it really brings things into a place that says, man, To be a Christian, it is other than. To walk as a believer, it is other than. We can be just like the rest of the world, but nobody's gonna see the light of Jesus if we're just kind of drifting into the background in the the normal, everyday, every four-year political conversations that we have about government, about who's right and who's wrong, you know? Is it the donkey, is it the elephant? I mean, he's saying your mind is, it can get trapped into the wrong conversation. It can get trapped into the wrong rebellion, into the wrong motivation. Make sure if if you're persecuted, it's for the right reasons. And that leads me to number two, when and how do we defy governmental authority? Well, I mean, I think that for us, we can see this and this is laid out pretty clearly in scripture. Like I said, in the Old Testament, in, in, in the gospels and in the epistles, we see so many examples. You know, at what point do we defy the government or move against the government or say, I can't obey that law? When the government asks us to commit actions that are against his commands. If you're taking notes, that's it. When the government asks you to take action that are, that's against his commands. What does he say? When at all possible, do you're gonna live peaceably. When at all possible, you're gonna live peaceably. But all of a sudden you're gonna rub up against issues governmentally. Now, like I said, Tim Keller says this and I really believe that's true. We're, we're not in that era of, I mean, you can go to the 1040 window, you can go to other places in the world, you know, you can get persecuted for what you wear if it's Christian, for what you say out in public. We're not in that zone right now. I mean, some of us think we are, but we're not. Live it, when at all possible, live peaceably. But there's gonna be moments. Look at the book of Daniel. I love Daniel. I mean, some of the most amazing stories in all of scripture. But you've got the Israelites. It's first of all, the, the, the beginning of Daniel, what you hear is Jehoiakim, who was the, the leader in Jerusalem and the leader of the Israelites, 
he gets given into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. But, but, but who does it? It says, God gave Jehoiakim into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. It was at God's hands. And so this begins like the Israelites, Babylonian exile. And what happens? I mean, this is the book of Daniel. So Daniel's kind of highlighted in this passage with who else? Shadrach, Meshach, and anybody know? Look at that, church people. Um, so you've got in, in, in this first First chapter, it's already beginning to happen. Okay, these are, they're, they're in Babylon. Babylon, way worse than the United States of America. I'm just gonna tell you right now. Contextually, it was as pagan as they get. It's like taking everything that's, that's pagan about the United States and, and rolling it into a country. You take, you know, Vegas, LA, New York. I know there's great things in those places and somebody's from New York's gonna email me. It'll go to spam. Um, I'm kidding, but you know what I'm saying? There's, there's things in, in, in places that become more pagan, more urban centers that become more pagan. And Babylon was all of those things, cultural arts, everything, even in the cultural sense, outside of their paganism, it was the center of the world, most powerful nation in the world at the time. And all of a sudden the Israelites are in exile. And what they did is they gathered up, you know, the, 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 some of the men that had, that were excellent, that had good conduct. And they thought, okay, we're going to indoctrinate them with our culture. We're gonna teach them our ways. We're going to lead them this particular way. And we will utilize them and leverage them for our own usage here. It, we'll, we'll make good use of these people. You know, no reason to waste, you know, uh, a resource. So you've got Daniel, you've got Shadrach, you've got Meshach and Abednego. And what happens? It says that these guys were picked because of the way that they operated, because of the way that they were excellent in every way. And all of a sudden they're put in this three-year program where they're going to have to learn everything about the Babylonian culture. They're going to have to learn how to operate in government. They're gonna to have to learn what the education's like. They're gonna to have to learn all of these things over these, this three-year period. They're gonna get this extensive training on how to be a Babylonian. Like these are their, they're gonna get Babylonian names, the whole nine yards. And then all of a sudden, what happens? They, they're gonna have to get on the king's diet. And this is where all of a sudden they're like, okay, it's kind of a gray area, but God's asked us not to dig in here. You know, we're not gonna eat the swine and, and the wine, right? And so we're gonna stay on to the Daniel diet. It wasn't called the Daniel diet back then, by the way. And, they, and this, is the way that, this is the way that Daniel approaches it. He says, okay, we're in this training, but it says Daniel res resolved not to defile himself. They were doing, they were living peaceably at this point. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission. Listen to this. He asked the chief official, listen to how he defies the government at this point. He asks the chief official for permission not to defile himself in that way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. And it goes on where the official says, hey, look, this is a great idea, but if you look worse at the end of this training and not better, I'm gonna be in trouble and they're gonna kill me. So Daniel says, hey, give us 10 days. If we don't look better than your people, then you know, we'll, ha we'll have another conversation about this. And of course, after the 10 days, they look great and they institute the Daniel diet for everybody. It's fantastic. And then at the end of the three years, Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this, Nebuchadnezzar reviews all of these, these boys of Babylon, these guys that have been in this training, have been part of the cultural indoctrination of Babylon. And he says, what? He says, they're 10 times better than our people. They, they, they know Babylon better than our people do, than our, than our best magic, magicians, our officials, all of our people in every way, in conduct, in character and excellence. 
So this all of a sudden leads us to the place. Do we like, okay, we're, we're supposed to obey government, but we're, we, we have a different mission. We have a different thing that we're thinking about. Does that mean we ignore where God's placed us? Should we find ourselves in being innocent as doves and wise as serpents in places where we can leverage the kingdom of God inside of government, inside of our jobs, inside of the places that we are? Absolutely. These guys did an amazing job at that. Now, did they rub up against problems along the way? No, they had unbelievable character and they always followed God. But in the day in, day out, when they could, they could operate in Babylon with Babylonians in Babylonian culture, guess what? They lived at peace with those people when they could. And then all of a sudden, what? You know, happens, you know, the, the fiery furnace. I mean, these are all the good felt board stories. You know what I'm saying? Right? It's like Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, you're going to have to worship this God. We're going to play. Everybody's going to, the band's going to get together. We're going to rock out. As soon as we do, everybody's going to worship the idol that I just put up. And of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't, they don't do it because, hey, God's command. We're not going to worship another God. And they get brought before Nebuchadnezzar. And he's angry. Why aren't you doing it? And the way that they address them, if you go look at this passage, they don't go, hey, Jack, we're not doing it. Hey, dude, we can't do this. God's awesome. You're not. That's not the way they, they, they in respect and honor, they say, oh, king. Oh, king, Nebuchadnezzar. We cannot do, as what, you, do what you've asked. We, we, can't, we, won't, we can't bow down. And we understand that there's punishment, but even, even though, and, and, and we just wanna let you know that our God is able to rescue us from this, but even if that's not possible, even if that's not gonna happen, we're not gonna bow down. They led with their conduct, they led with their character, they led with their devotion and their faith. But I tell you what, excellence, conduct, and character were the first thing that people saw. The faith is what people find out later. When people see you out in the world, when people see you in government, when people see you operating, usually they're gonna see your excellence, they're gonna see your conduct, and they're going to see your character first. And that's how you, that's the wisdom in being innocent as doves and wise as serpents. Because you don't wanna blow your, your leverage for all the wrong reasons. I think many times what we're doing right now in our Christian culture, and I'm praying against this as we are stirring up hornet's nests and creating a problem where there doesn't need to be a problem. And we're losing our leverage in the culture that God's placed us in. Unlike Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were innocent as doves and wise as serpents. They knew where to buck the system and when to buck the system, when it had to do with God's commands and what God was asking them to do. And you know what? It ended up amazing for them. It ended up like there was these amazing moments where at the end of the, the, the fiery furnace, what happens? There's another one in the fire. I mean, somebody just wrote a great song about it, right? There's a fourth one in the fire walking around with what's happening. They, they didn't get burned. They come out. What does Nebuchadnezzar say? He says, now it's against the law for anybody to say anything foul against the God of these guys because he's got real power. He's, he's the real deal. I mean, Daniel and the lion's den, same thing happens at the end of it. King Darius says, there's one God. There is one, one God, it's the God of Daniel. This is the only one that has power at the end of that journey. But Daniel had leverage. He had been placed in, in, a, in a position where he was getting ready to be second in command over all of the Babylonian empire, the most powerful nation in the world. So you've got these boys of Babylon, these just a few guys that changed the landscape of a pagan culture. Why? Because most of the time they were living at peace. But when they needed to, when they had to, when, 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 when their government was imposing on what God had asked them to do, they stood up and said, we can't do that. 
but they led with excellence. They led with character. They found themselves in positions of leverage in government where they could change things. And man, don't we want that? We wanna pray for that as, as a country. Uh, this is not a, let's stand back from government, do what you're supposed to do, and then we'll hold our Jesus banner up. No, you, you're gonna be, you could be a, somebody that leverages your life inside of your job, inside of government, inside of the world that God's placed us. And yes, we are in a pagan world. We are in a modern Babylonian empire in the way that things operate. But man, God's redemptive plan could work in and through his people. But the apostle Paul gives us an amazing way to begin that process. Don't waste your jail time. Don't waste your breath stirring up hornet's nest you don't need to. Don't lose your leverage in this season we're in as Christians. I mean, you could go on into the New Testament, Acts chapter four, when government opposes the movement of the gospel. I mean, these guys, I mean, the apostle Paul wrote this letter letting the Roman government know in, in some ways that, hey, we're not here to defy the government, but guess what? They had to defy the government along the way. Gospel's moving forward. Peter and John are the gospels just blowing up. Guy had just gotten healed in Jesus' name and everybody's talking about Jesus. And obviously the, the Pharisees are upset. The Herodians are upset. The government officials are upset. And they're bringing, Peter, Peter and John keep ended up in front of these guys. And they're like, please stop talking about Jesus. Please stop. And what do they say? They say, who are we gonna obey? Are we gonna obey God or are we gonna obey man? We cannot help but talk about what we've seen and heard. And they continue to carry the gospel. And yes, they got beat. Yes, they got put in jail. All of the disciples, except, except for John, went to their deaths preaching and carrying the gospel. Does it mean that we don't ever rub up against our government? No, that's gonna happen. There's moments where we say, but we, we, we have to evaluate where are we right now in 2020? You know, where, where are we? You know, and I, I know there's a lot of arguments and a lot of things people could say, but from my best estimate, anybody that wants to come to church right now can come to church. If you wanna be in this room and worshiping Jesus, you can. And you guys are here and I love it. We are, we, right now there is freedom on tap for us. And one day there might not be, and there might be a need for us to meet underground. There might be a, a need for us to meet in different places and, and find a way to meet. We, we, we will not give up the gathering of the saints. We won't. But remember, we don't wanna waste our breath and waste our jail time on things that are not coming from the transformed mind, but coming from our selfish agenda and our selfish flesh. So when God, when government opposes the movement of the gospel, we certainly you know, wanna stand up and do, do the right thing. But there's a way that we do that, right? There's a way that that happens. I, I, it's interesting, I was thinking about Daniel and not that I put OCC in, the, in, the, in, the, in that department, but so many crazy things have happened for us to be in this building right here. Like we, when we leased this place, it was a crazy miraculous way that we ended up getting this building at the price we got it for this close to the ocean. But all of a sudden we did get uh, some pushback from the community. We got some pushback and, and there was some rumblings from like bar owners are like, are they gonna be picketing around? You know, they're gonna be, you know, what are they gonna be doing? The church is gonna be right here. Um, and then eventually we had already leased it. We'd put a sign up. We were get, trying to get our variance because we're 12 feet inside the business district. There'd never been a church like right here. I know there's churches around, but right here in the business district, but people had, this is, we had to get a variance. So 
I went to the city planner to get a variance deal. And he's like, there's no way you're getting a variance. And he said, you know, I'm so sorry, but uh, you're not gonna have, be able to have a church there. And I'm like, really? And I didn't know. And he just started talking about ordinances and all these things. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So I went and looked up some of the ordinances and said, all these ordinances that were put in place in the forties and fifties were really to protect the church and were to protect schools and churches from bars setting up right next to them or strip clubs, all these different things. Those were put there. And I, I thought, this isn't right. He's kind of using this against me and this is not good. We, 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 this is, you know, God's moving. At some point I wanted to give up. I mean, just behind, you know, now that's in the distant, I just was like, this is it, <laughs> you know? But I sent a letter or I, I called an attorney, had him send a letter to the city planner with all that information on the ordinances. And of course they gave us a variance meeting. I was like, <laughs> all right, we're in a legal battle. <laughs> um, and then I, I, like leading up to it, I had just heard that the uh, planning commission, it was all no's, like it was gonna be a no vote. You know, they were worried about parking. They were worried about the bar owners being angry. They were worried about all kinds of things. They were worried about those ordinances. And so uh, we ended up having the planning meeting and I, I called a guy that I knew on the city council before that and said, hey, you know, you know, what are you hearing? What's the deal? He goes, it's all no's, man. I hate to tell you. I mean, I know you got a lot of people coming and you're gonna pack that room out and all that, but they're, they're voting no. Uh, so we go in there and I was very depressed going in there and I'm thinking, mm, you know, what's, what's God doing? Um, and then we go in there and the spirit of God was there. There was a whole lot of people there and just the movement of God, you know, you know and, and it was peaceful. People were excited, people were cordial, people were nice to all the people that were in there and they let me speak. They kept asking me questions for about an hour, hour and a half. And I talked about Charles Spurgeon. I mean, they let me preach in there, I mean, it was crazy. Um, and we just talked about, we wanna be a force for good. We want, if we ever left this community, we would want people to be sad that we're leaving. We're not here to, to stir up a hornet's nest that doesn't need to be stirred up. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna stand on our beliefs. We are not gonna stray away from the word of God, but we're not here to, to cause a problem. We're actually here to bring redemption. And at the end of it, and it was slowly, it happened. Even the guy that, the guy that told me no, that was kind of like, yeah, you get, get out of here. Um, he was kind of arguing for us by the end of the meeting. And then it was, all of a sudden it turned around and they started to vote. Yes, yes, yes. yes. There was one no, um, Georgette, we still love her. Um, and, and we got it and everybody, people didn't even know and everybody erupted in the room. And in, in those moments we realized that's what we're, we're doing something in, in keeping the peace, but also moving in a direction where at the end of the day, the city, we have a great relationship with the city. We, had, we, we didn't come in there. We didn't have picketers. We didn't have big signs. We didn't do a march around the deal. We didn't shake the thing. We didn't do We went in and we used the legal process that was in place. As corrupt as the, the legal process can be in a city, you know, with, with a city or with a government. We used what God had put in front of us and we were innocent as doves. We were wise as snakes because here we are. Um, so in the end, okay, so there's reasons for us to do that. What was Paul's purpose in writing this passage? Well, one was to let the government know that was in power, we're not here to oppose, oppose you. We have, we, we have a, a totally different agenda. But Paul's main purpose here is for you to understand who's in ultimate authority and what the big picture is. The apostle Paul's trying to reset what team you're on. For you and for me, he's saying, you're not on this team. You're not on this team. You are on the Jesus team. Jesus is in authority. It is not the donkey. It is not the elephant. It is the lamb of God. That is who we follow. That is what we're here for. And his mission is the one that we're on. 
We don't, we, we're not here to have a, a misguided mission. We're not here to idolize our country, but we will respect and honor our country because this is where God has placed us and God's in authority over everyone. That's who we are as a church. We, we let biblical truth and biblical authority be the, what, what leads us. We know that there's a way that appears to be right in our mind. I am right. And what, is, what does Proverbs say? But in the end, it leads to death. So we're going to use the word of God as the thing that guides us. With the right team, the Jesus team, the right mission, our movement, it will be the right movement with the right purpose. We don't attach ourselves to other movements. We are part of the Jesus movement. We don't attach ourselves to other, other missions under, you don't see, hear the apostle Paul doing that. Enraging against a corrupt government. He knows I'm going to be in prison. I'm going to be chained to a wall, writing to the church at Ephesus, saying, pray for me that I get out of these chains and I can go crazy. Hold up my fist. He says, no, no, pray for me. Pray for me that when I open my mouth, that I will fearlessly proclaim the gospel for which I'm in chains. One singular focus, Christ crucified. And he says, hey, I, I, I want to, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. Jesus is in charge. He's in charge of everything. Jesus, when he was pinned down by the Pharisees and the Herodians, I, I just love the posture of what he does. They say, hey, are you going to pay, ta you, like as, as Jews, should we pay taxes to this oppressive government? We hate it. I mean, they, 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 the tax, everything's corrupt about what they're doing. And so their, their hope is, is that he would say, no, don't pay taxes. And that the Herodians and the Roman government would put him in jail. Or he would say, no, pay your taxes. You should just go ahead and pay your taxes. And the Jews that were in power would say, really to this oppressive government, that's against God. And what does he say? And, and it seems like he's kind of toeing the line. He says, give me a coin. He says, who's on that coin? Caesar. He says, give to Caesar what Caesar's give to God what is God's. The image of God is stamped on you. You are image bearers of the King. He's saying, look, Caesar, yeah, that's Caesar's money. That's Caesar's, that's Caesar's little throne. But guess who owns Caesar? I do. Guess who, guess who owns, hey, that's Caesar's money, but guess who, who owns all the money that Caesar owns? God does. Jesus, when he's, He's in his last moments, he's before Pilate and Pilate says, look, I, I don't, you need to make a plea to me in some way because I could either set you free or crucify you. And what does Jesus say? He says, you have no power except what's been given to you by God. The only reason that I'm here, you know what? I'm, I'm going to submit myself to corrupt authorities. I'm gonna submit myself to corrupt individuals that will eventually beat me and crucify me unjustly, but I'm doing it because God's calling me to do it. And Jesus is asking us to walk in a way and move in a way as individuals, not because he's mean, but because he says it's possible for us. We're not our divining rod is not one of human government, which makes it possible for us to submit to human government. Isn't that weird? Like the apostle Paul says, I'm free in 1 Corinthians chapter nine. 
from any and all men. But what does he say? I make myself a servant to any and all that I might save some. God's smart, strategically, way smarter than us in the way that he operates and what he calls us to. And my hope is for you and for me that God opens our eyes to see just how amazing Jesus is. God wants you to be free from fear. The, 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 the amazing light that the church could shine is this freedom from fear, fear of government, fear of the future. Our future is set if you're a follower of Jesus. And if you're not, I'm telling you, the relief that you feel when you submit yourself to the word of God and to the king of the universe, it is, un, it, you can't even describe it. Now we wage war against our flesh on this side of heaven. But when the spirit comes and God bolsters our faith, we realize it doesn't matter who, who the next president is gonna be. Influence your government. God may place you there. You might be the next Daniel change things, power of redemption. But I'm not worried about it. I'm not biting my nails because he's not biting his nails. I'm not worried. I mean, the next, I mean, leaning in to one another. Man, what's gonna happen? Whew. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. He is on his throne. And if you're wondering if he cares for you and he loves you, just look at the cross of Jesus Christ surrendered his life for you. Let's stand. God, I'm blown away by your wisdom and your power and how you lead us and how you free us. God, I just pray that you lead us home in this moment. We have a tendency to wander, to wander off to believe something else will save us, to believe something else is our, our righteous banner to carry. God, we wanna be completely solidified in the only firm foundation, which is you. Just come Holy Spirit.